African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Thank you to the Kiswahili and Chinyanja team together with Tobela FM giving us that very fascinating, interesting, upbeat uh, simulcast this morning. Happy Africa Day, everybody. If you're listening to us from all borders of the continent and beyond, it's the 21st of May. 2021. My name is Ayanda Mkonazi. This is African Dialogue and together with Benjamin Moshadama and uh, Wiseman Mangaile will be taking you through the next hour. Well, coming up on the program, it is Africa Day. We reflect on what is the focus on this year's uh, commemorations. Where, where is the continent heading to? Africa Day also comes amidst challenges on the continent, uh, corruption, leadership problems, uh, COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, so where to for the continent? What should we be focusing on this year? How do we take Africa to greater heights? It's a fabulous day today at Channel Africa in the studio and outside of the studio. Welcome to African Dialogue. We come to you every Monday to Friday at 1100 hours Central African time. And today we're celebrating Africa Day or commemorating Africa Day. That is uh, African governments will today commemorate what is known as Africa Day. The day formerly known as African Freedom Day and African Liberation Day is the annual commemoration of the founding of the organization of African unity on the 5th of May, 1963. The organization was later transformed into the African Union on the 9th of July 2002 in South Africa, but the holiday continues to be celebrated on the 25th of May. It is celebrated in various countries on the African continent as well as around the world. The celebration, however, comes on a back heel of a number of issues facing the continent, such as the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, have piled up pressure on African economies. Uh, only last week, the Democratic Republic of Congo, together with uh, a number of other African heads of state concluded a summit in Paris where they argued, among other issues, for an increase in the special drawing rights from $33 billion to $100 billion to just help boost their economies. To help us talk about Africa Day, uh, the focus for this year, the strategy we need to take the continent forward into the greater heights that it needs to be, it deserves to be in. We speak to Dr. Jesse Kabwila. She's the chair of the Women Caucus in Malawi's parliament. Good morning to you, ma'am, and happy Africa Day. Dr. Kabwila? Are you, are you there? Can you hear me? Yes, yes, I can hear you. Good morning to you and, and happy Africa Day. Happy Africa Day. Um, thank you for having me. How are you celebrating uh, today? Now, to be honest with you, this COVID has um, really crippled our most of the arrangements. What we've got here is just, I think, interviews that are being done. And probably some media yeah, that is in them. But I must say in Malawi, there is international event that has been organized. So if it is there, then um, I'm not aware of it. Africa Day this year is being celebrated amidst some very serious challenges uh, on the mm. continent. 
um, you know, just to name a few, we've got the pandemic, we've got corruption, we've got leadership crisis in a number of countries. Where exactly are we heading as Africa? I think um, I would say the, the challenges that we are facing, I'll put them in one word. Um, or let me say a phrase. Our failure to colonize uh, the way we run business. Uh, from where I stand, I think Africa has done good strides. I don't think it's, everything is negative. But our failure to resolve the woman question, I think, is a serious, serious problem. And the problem, the failure to deal with corruption is a huge, huge problem. And then deal with the class question. All these, if you look at them, I think hinge a lot on how we need to decolonize our governance um, processes, concepts, ideologies, and implementation. For me, I think it's just very sad that uh, so many years after ending colonialism, we still are thinking and um, parroting a lot of the oppressor's way of thinking, be it language, be it governance systems. And I think as long as you are a follower, you always be behind. And when the person you are following meets a boulder, and in this case COVID-19, the way we are going to fight COVID-19, if we do not own the tools of this fight, there is no way we are going to win a war where we are always fighting behind borrowed clothes and borrowed concepts. So for me, I think Africa has to start, um, I mean, needs to celebrate itself, appreciate what it has done, and probably not always be in this negative mode that says whatever is African is regressive, whatever is African is dark, whatever is African is instead an infant. It is a commodity for the West and for the East and for whoever to absorb. For me, I think as long as our parliamentary systems, legal systems, religious systems, identity systems are not our own, we have a long, long way, you know. We can't resolve the class problems. We can't resolve the gender questions. We are not going to resolve environment issues because we don't own ourselves. So to me, the major thing is, can we please own who we are, celebrate where we've come from, and then from there deal with the challenges. And that can't come from just being negative. So, I mean, if someone has to ask the question, what ideology should we come to me? It's about autochtonizing, whatever it is that we're saying, owning it, and um, letting it come from within us, rather than thinking that somebody will parachute and have a Jesus complex on us to save us from whatever is evil, and then we'll go ahead. To me, that's the issue. Whether you look at the an Asefa abortion question, whether you look at LGBTIQ, or you look at um, the developmental question itself, access to water, access to education. Unfortunately, to this day, we have not owned this journey to resolve this question. We are still using the tools of the oppressor. You can't bring down the house of the oppressor using his own tools. It's just impossible. We need to honestly start thinking of how do we put up this house called Africa using our own foundation, our own materials up to the roofing stage. But from where I stand, I think there's a lot of decolonizing that is needed, a lot. But also, um, uh, Dr. Kabwila, 
you know, one wonders that um, we have the resources, we have the systems in place, but is there a will, is there a political will from the governments of Africa to, you know, as you're saying, to use our own tools and not the tools mm. of the oppressor? Uh, you're speaking about mm. colonialism. It's, it's years since yeah. it's ending, yet um, Africa is still struggling to, to take itself forward. I think if we borrow from Aikwea Mars in 2007, you know, there are many people, uh, analytic affects themselves, forgive my always reference to the reading list, the canons of this world and all that. My point is, um, is there political will? Yes and no. I think we should also, we can't win this war if we do not acknowledge the good things that have happened. I think it is in this continent which has produced Winnie Mandela, which has produced Mandela, uh, himself, which has produced Magufuli, which has produced the Robert Mugabe's of this world, of this world. We have had brilliant women in politics, outside politics, in business. Look at the Nigerians. There are good things happening. And I think if we box ourselves into the negativity, we will not get out. So if you ask me, is there political will? I think it is there, here and there, but it is not coordinated. And we have not built a critical mass that can actually be representative of the continent. And one of the things is to start by uniting the whole continent. I think we are so busy, everybody wanting to be president. There is a lot which we could do by being united and not focusing on position, but probably on what can put our resources together. Look at what's happening in um, DRC. You see that uh, wherever Africa has resources, the West and East, they join hands and they come as, you know, the way they did in the scramble for Africa. So I think first thing is, what do we need to do? And we honestly do everything in order for us to be able to benefit from our own resources. And what this is might actually be doing what um, the common rumors we talked about, and that is having the United States of Africa, where we actually sit down and... I'm not interested in who's going to drive the QX or the vehicle and who's going to capture the state, but actually, how do we deliver to our people who have always believed in the political elite but have never been Where I'm standing, many don't have electricity, many don't have water, many when they go to the hospital, the women cannot give birth in a different We are losing so many people at safe abortion to child marriage. I mean, a lot of this could be done. Just imagine, even if we had to start with Southern Africa, have it all as one block, how much would it take? Well, in the world of um, capitalism that we have been forced into, and um, we're still struggling to get out of, when you work as a team, you are much better than when you, you know, when you work as a lobby team, you are much better as a cooperative as well. You can target, and we have the resources. All that we don't have is working teams towards delivering to our Imagine if the gold in Botswana, the diamond in Botswana, whether you talk about what Namibia has, what Brazil has, if we as a block, as the African block, was trading in it, would go. So to me, I think it's about political will being coordinated. I, I don't want to say we don't have it completely because some good things have happened. Some good legislation has been passed. Mm. Some good governance structures have been there, but what we are lacking is implementation. We are not because a few of us are benefiting from this chaos. A few of us are enjoying the fact that that happened in Malawi. 
It's of right now we've had COVID-19 funds. And it's a joke. The way people have just gone into this and said it to, 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 to make money out of it. In other words, I think the first political will is to understand that governing Africa is not about you as a, as a politician. It is about delivering to the massive majority of women women. And it is not about saying, I am of this church, so everybody is going to have to subscribe what I believe. It is not about you. Mm. It is about how do we reach the masses. Whether the masses are Muslim or they are ethnic or they are whatever, does not matter. Governance is not a church. Governance is about service delivery. What do we do so that the gold that is on this uh, continent, the silver, the copper, the human resource, the education system in our country, truly delivers and trickles down. Not how do I clone myself into the statistics. But what I often hear when I go to these meetings, and having been the former chair for Sunday Union Caucus and also a member of parliament at regional and the, the national level, I am telling you, I'm so pained by the way a good number of us think becoming a member of parliament or a president means turning the country into your religion. It's not about that. It is about how do we make the service delivery systems work. And as we are, people can be very, very obedient to our conservative ideals and they can be very good at patronage. But what's killing us is we are cloning this country. We want people who are of and so Either they are a team of Zuma or they are a team of whoever Ramaphosa is there or they are a team of Jaguera here or whoever. It's not about that. You should be able to get the government and work with people who are not even teaching about putting systems and making sure institutions work. And they actually work and they are being monitored. Those that are different, we remove them, put new systems. If it's about firing people, fire the people so that we have less time on the ground, less failing to give birth in conducive environments. Mm. We have less people who actually leave university and cannot bring a sentence together. If you look around you, education systems have collapsed because nobody has invested in them. We have primary school teachers badly paid, secondary school teachers badly paid, yet you call and see a politician. They are making the country for all that it is worth. Let's look at the Kenyan system. It's horrendous, you know. So to me, we are not investing in service delivery. We are investing in political personnel because it benefits those who make those laws. And I think until we have a paradigm shift, but quite honestly, the Western way of ruling benefits the elite. But we are challenging the system. Mm -hmm. For us here in Africa, our challenge is not the elite, not the kings and queens. It is the people, because the minute those people bind themselves together, you have a class war. You are going to have a mess, which is what we've got. Most of the countries come to South Africa. So this thing you call xenophobia, I challenge you, it is not xenophobia. It okay. is a class war. It is about people not being happy because they are not getting services that, that they need. Dr. Dr. Kabula, please may I, may I pause you there? We just need to go for a quick break. Um, there's some a lot of points that I'd like us to pick up from. You spoke about institutions, and I'd like us to touch on the Pan-African Parliament. Um, also, the issue of um, you saying we need to, it's, it's a matter of uh, getting systems working, and systems are in place, but they're not working together. And that is why we are seeing um, things not coming together 
on the continent, um, things falling apart, if I may loosely call it that way. Let's go for a quick break, and when we come back, we'll touch on some of those points. Knowledge of self breeds greatness within. Celebrate and educate yourself of who you are. Rise, African child. Happy, African man. Never forget who you are, where you're from, and the greats that lived before you. Listen, learn, and teach the future. Proudly African, all year long. Channel Africa celebrates Africa Month. Welcome back to Afri- to African Dialogue. I almost said to Africa Day. We had a lovely simulcast uh, this morning and it was great to hear the different languages uh, coming through the radio on the platform. Um, we're joined now by Ntate Khomu, Isaac Khomu, who is a senior journalist here on Channel Africa, who's going to join us and add a few comments to our conversation. We're looking at Africa Day, the concept of Africa Day uh, in 2021. How do we take the continent forward? What kind of strategies um, do we need to be implementing to ensure that we get to those heights that we need to get. We're also uh, joined by Dr. Jesse Kabwila, Chair of the Women's Caucus in Malawi's Parliament. Ndate Khomu, thank you so much for, for joining us and giving us your time. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. And Dr. Homu, you know, just to look at uh, Africa Day in, in, a, in a very broad way, we're looking at how do we transform um, Africa from being followers to being leaders, which is something that Dr. Kabwila spoke about in her opening remarks, is that the systems are there, but the systems are not working for the people of Africa. Okay, thank you. Thank you for having me. I wish I had I'd, I'd heard uh, Dr. Kabwila's statements. But basically, as Africans and as Africa, you know, we cannot actually just come up with systems and say that we're going to put systems in order. I mean, most Africans basically do not understand uh, the, not the history, but what Africa really is. Uh, Africa, as it is, is nothing but just an appendage of the big world system, economic system. And it was fused in this system brutally. It was initially fused in this system through slavery. Uh, people should understand that the Atlantic slavery, slavery, there was the Arab slavery, yeah, and also the Atlantic slavery. But the Atlantic slavery, it was a very important uh, era, economic era of the world economy. Because basically slavery, uh, of the Atlantic slavery, it actually came and formed what they, they say as capitalism. The institution or the process of the institution of capitalism was actually uh, formed from profits that were accumulated through slavery by the slave economy. They tend to call it mercantilism, but it was basically a slave economy. And the African slavery was the key element of that. You find that the big banks of today, the Chase Manhattan, all of them in New York, 
And all the British banks, uh, the Barclays and the Lloyds Bank, Lloyds Insurance, you go to Holland, you go to the Rothschild, okay, the Rothschilds, they were financiers, and you go to uh, Denmark. All these banks and financial institutions, they got the initial capital and money from the slave trade and from slavery. Not only the trade, but also slavery itself. Now you find that in that the Africans and Africa was put in a position. Now with as a, that capital that they obtained from 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 slavery, they came and literally um, uh, formed uh, formed um, industrialized. The thing that it gave rise to was industrialization. Industrialization was formed by capital, and capital actually sort of uh, was formed by, by by the slave economy. But then with uh, industrialization, there came, there came this very big uh, need to need of raw materials. And that's where now you find that colonization came up. And Africa and other countries, uh, non-European countries were put in that position. So you really find ourselves, we should understand that, where we find ourselves and the role that we're playing. You're basically playing as a role which is at the lower ranks of the whole capitalist, which again has come to be known as imperialism because they tend to actually monopolize. It's monopolistic capital. And even with independence, we are still in the same situation, that situation of neocolonialism. And to break out of this, that is the big challenge. In fact, to break out of this, it's been resisted by the West. That position... And the role that has been given is actually first on. And it's first on through dependency. Now, what I'm talking to is not a thing that I'm just talking from the blues. You can go to books, a very good book by Eric Williams called Slavery and Capitalism. Yeah, it actually defines the role that uh, slavery played in the, in, 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 in the promotion and, and formation of, of, of capitalism. And then how Europe underdeveloped Africa by... Uh, Walter Rodney, yeah, the late Walter Rodney. It's a it's a book which actually talks about colonialism and the role it played in the Western in Western economy. And Kuruma had his book, Neocolonialism, the higher stage of uh, of, of, of 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 capitalism, is of imperialism. So these things are well established. And there's Samira Amin who's written a lot about it, and many people have written a lot about it. That's our struggle. And now to reposition, there is a very big resistance to that. Uh, the Western countries will never like Africa just to go away because they're totally dependent. Mm. There's a book called The One Dimensional Man by Marcus. You see, I talk a lot of books. Uh, uh, we, nowadays, we used to read a lot. Yeah, And these are books, very old books from the 60s, 70s. There's a book called One Dimensional Man by Marcus. Marcus talks about the relationship between Europe and Africa. He says that Europe is like a very big, heavy man. Yeah, who's overweight, but then he has got very weak legs, so he has got to have crutches, and those crutches are Africa. Mm. The Africans yeah, they, are the crutches. Without those crutches, they're going to collapse. Mm. So now that is the role that we first got to understand that the role that we've been put in 
before you can even talk how you're going to break away from that. Mm-hmm. Let me bring it back to you, Dr. Kabwila. Um, you know, Tate Homo is basically saying uh, or, or uttering the same sentiments that you are uttering, that there's the stronghold that we are struggling as a continent to break free from. But, you know, if you also think back to the recent past, we had the... African Renaissance as a philosophy that uh, the continent relied on to, to, to assist it to plan a way forward. But what is driving the continent at this moment, Dr. Kabwila? I, I want to honor my colleague there. I think he had it very well, and I like the way he has historicized uh, our background to show that no, we can't talk about going forward or even putting systems if we don't understand where the rain started to beat us, how have we gotten where we are? So I I fully I, I appreciate that. And I think this whole talk of Ubuntu is very, very important. However, one has to understand what are the challenges that Ubuntu is uh, coming through. And if you notice, it doesn't, I mean, it needs to buttress how it looks at slavery, how we look at ourselves and have even accepted some of the slave crops and we celebrate them and even settle them, you know. Patriarchy, the way it has been major in the way we think of who we are. So to me, I think it's about, if you say what is driving us to get the moment, well, unfortunately, it's a battle against COVID-19, but still, even in that battle, the question is, how are we removing the, 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 the colonial issues, the slavery issues, the apartheid that was that came, the the neo the neocolonial patriarchy that came through religion and through um, the organized education that we talk about. Um, I think the the, the the crux of the matter is how are we fighting black African inferiorization that was actually brought through our curriculum, the films that we watch, the media that we watch, the Hollywood. We what and um, the government systems that we use. Um, I'm, I'm glad to say at the moment, I've seen in several countries, there is an increase in the indigenization of business uh, processes. I think that has, we've uh, seen America talk about black lives matter. In South Africa, you've got uh, black empowerment. It has these challenges. But at least affirmative action issues on race need to click in and click in very quickly. This business of all Africans are not qualified or whatever. They must remember, they've been also busy fighting for the very freedom people are now talking about having. So I think the issue of affirmative action needs to kick in, and uh, we need to gender what we call Ubuntu. We need to make sure that we understand that Africa is not full of men. It is full of men and women, and there are power relations between the two. And those power relations need to be spoken to in our own way, not in borrowed um, Borrowed, um, borrowed ways. Yeah, so if we say what is driving us, we have got a huge um, demographic dividend. We have the youth that we need to make sure that they vote for values that will keep us environmentally friendly, that have got gender justice, that hold, that fight corruption, and fight this issue of patronage. We really need to find ways that our youth do not aspire to become political fools and clones and clones of some uh, political people, and they should be well-educated that the girls are talking about being empowered are girls who are well-read, not girls who probably like themselves before
newspaper of the day. So I think to me it's about what is driving us, making sure that education is at the forefront um, of whatever this is doing. Because quite honestly, a more educated mother, woman makes a better mother, makes a better wife, a, a, a more educated husband, makes, man makes a better husband, he fights less to obtain the best violence with, you know, somebody who is well, um, who is fulfilled and are confident in themselves. A lot of the problems that talking about between men and women also comes from inferiority complexes of the person whose you know, power relations are weaker. So I think uh, I, I know I, I, we do have um, a colleague uh, who, whom who is very eminent and I would like him to um, also think back into this. But in a nutshell, I think at the moment we are unfortunately in some schizophrenic mode where we take a step towards owning our systems and institutions and our identity, and then we sometimes take five steps backwards. Mm. But I must say, in many parts of Africa, even after having a day like this, to talk about Africa and celebrate Africa and interrogate the challenges that Africa is making is something which is a step in the right direction. I think we are seeing people dressing more um, as the so-called African program, actually, sometimes what I hear people talk about is African. We all know it's probably Arab in terms of whatever, you know, uh, but I think there is an attempt to actually get to have what we say is our own rather than mimic other people as become, uh, you know, uh, black skins and white masks, which is, which is a, 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 a problem that we're fighting. Mm. Look, our liberation our owning ourselves is a process. And unless we believe we can do it, we will never do it. And the very first thing is to be positive about our African Africanity. Yes. And we know that meeting challenges does not mean we will not get there. Mm. You know? Okay. We will not get there. I truly believe in our continent that we managed to teach the people we have been here for so many years and they said, Oh, you not rule yourself, you not survive. We survive. We live in produce presidents who are going to the UN and they are now coming to us here. They are even stuck in the RFC fighting for what we have. We're doing okay. We've got challenges, yes, and challenges are both challenges. Like anybody, you can Europe, Germany, go to the mm-hmm. They also are fighting their own um, devil. But with us, the only problem is we are the go-to place for this confusion. So we need to actually fight better to own ourselves, stand up and be strong, and enjoy our economy. But we've never been left alone. We've always been told what to do. Okay. Yes. All right. Let, let me pause you there again, uh, Dr. Kabula. Let's go for uh, a break. And when we come back, I'd just like us to touch on, um, you know, the Pan-African Parliament uh, opening yesterday. Uh, the, it, it's it's uh, effectiveness or non-effectiveness. You know, it's been criticized a lot over over the years. And also just, um, you know, moving forward now uh, as Africans, what do we need to be focusing on? We've mentioned a lot of uh, challenges or obstacles that are standing in the way, but what should we be prioritizing um, as we move forward as a continent? Let's do that after our break. Mon enfant, n'oublie jamais qui tu es, d'où tu es et les grands qui ont vécu avant toi. Écoute, apprends et enseigne le futur. Fièrement africain toute l'année. 
Channel Africa célèbre la journée, le mois de l'Afrique. Welcome back to African Dialogue. We're looking at Africa Day and uh, uh, the concept of Africa Day going forward in 2021 with all the challenges that are facing the continent um, today. We're on the line to Ntate Isaac Khomu. He's a senior uh, journalist here at Channel Africa. We're also speaking to Dr. Jesse Kabula, chair of the Women Caucus in Malawi's parliament. Ntate Khomu, yesterday we saw the opening of the Pan-African Parliament, the fourth ordinary session. You know, it's been criticized before as um, ineffective uh, in dealing with various issues uh, on the continent. How significant was this opening, especially when it's been more than 18 months that the, the parliament hasn't sat? Well, <clears throat> yeah, uh, what you call the Pan-African Parliament is a very important institution. Yeah, and although that it has not got direct uh, influence onto the EU, yeah, but uh, plans are at hand that at one time, at some time, it has actually got to play a very important part and a direct part into the proceedings of the AU, whereby decisions made by the uh, Pan-African Parliament will actually be taken to the AU and will have to be implemented. And uh, people think that the thing is just a paper tiger or it's uh, it's toothless. In fact, uh, they're, they're being unfair because it's a process. The parliament is actually in the stage of making. And at the point we reach where this is going to be very powerful and it's actually going to bring together ordinary Africans. Yeah, because this thing is the thing which does not basically represent the states, the different African states or the governments. It actually represents representative of the people. Very soon when they have jails, is going to become a very important institution. So basically, although the thing is weak, it cannot play a very important part in the AU, but we have actually got to build it and build its strength. And I think um, the African Parliament is a very important institution, even in its present situation, whereby it's a forum where the people's interests and the people's voices and the people's agenda can be actually heard and debated. So what we are really calling for, we are calling for the strength of the Pan-African Parliament and this opening of the Pan-African Parliament now with, in the time of the, in the era of the COVID pandemic is very important. And they should take some very salient and very important issues to the Pan-African Parliament. This should be done by the MPs because you should understand that the Pan-African Parliament has also got opposition MPs. When I mean opposition MPs, these are op- MPs who are in the opposition side in their respective parliaments in their respective countries. Therefore, these people can actually bring onto the agenda issues, burning issues on Africa, issues which governments do not want to talk about. And one of the burning issues is the weakness of the public health sector in all African countries. Now, this is a very important point. I think uh, Dr. Fren um, mentioned it a bit, but I think she's not she's gone into deeper details. Mm. It is public health, which is very weak in, in, in African continent. It's education. And again, it is um, agriculture. Now, the weakness of these three 
institutions, it's not due to failure of African government. This is due to the dictate of the of the Bretton Woods institution, which they actually put into African countries at the time of uh, structural adjustment. And that was the era when the neoliberalism economic uh, issues started. And you're living in those eras. Just to give an example, I'll go to Malawi, where Dr. Okay. Friend is mm. actually sort of... Dr. Homu, sorry to, yeah. to cut you. Uh, can you try and wrap up in about a minute, such as I can give Dr. Kabula uh, also a final argument or discussion points? Okay, I've not made a point, but in a minute I won't be able to do it. <laughs> <laughs> you see, I mean to say that, uh, okay, Malawi is an agricultural country, and the agriculture there is peasant agriculture. And in structural adjustment, all African countries were forced to remove subsidies from their very salient agri- agriculture. And the subsidies used to come in inputs towards fertilizer and things like that, uh, uh, agricultural chemicals. Mm. And then African countries removed them. Yet the European countries and the Western countries, they were subsidizing the agriculture to the tune of 350 billion US dollars per annum, which was about 1 billion a day. But all the same, there's a, a Malawian president uh, who said that agri- Malawian agriculture just collapsed. And he forcibly put back the subsidy against the dictates of, 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 of the, of the Bretton Woods institution. And that did wonders. You know, people talk about Malawi and other African countries as been having this uh, very big immigration problem, migration problem of people running away from their countries to other countries, Europe to South Africa. But these people are running from poverty, which has been instilled by this Bradford institution. So that's the issues which are supposed to go on to the African parliament to do away with this neoliberal economic decade by the West. And that's a serious thing because if you try to do it alone, they're going to actually pull you down. That's happening in Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe is not that Africans in Zimbabwe cannot uh, they, they cannot grow food. Mm. In the 19, sorry, I'm finishing now. Okay. In the uh, in the in the 1990s, uh, the 1995 upwards, I mean to say that 75 percent of all cereal produced in Zimbabwe, which was actually food for the Zimbabweans, was produced by small scale black farmers. That's not my thing. That is FAO, Food and Agriculture Organization. And the American universities who got studies to that. But that failed when they had to restructure adjustment to come in to remove the subsidy. Yeah? And now they say that uh, Zimbabwe has no food because the whites have gone, the white uh, agri- uh, farmers. No, the white farmers never produced the food for Zimbabwe in the first place. Yeah? That's the thing they did not talk about. Number two is that the tobacco output now under the present system they're hitting levels which have never been attained by the white 4,000, 6,000 white farmers. Okay. They're almost going to double the amount of tobacco which has been produced, mm. but they don't talk about that. Okay. So, but then they will, they're stinging the Zimbabwean agricultural sector of finance. That is to get it down and to get into a dependency mode. Things which Samir Amin talked about, and that's the thing we've got to understand, that we just do not, uh, those are things that are supposed to be taken in the African parliament. And then forced into the AU. Okay. 
Let's, let's, let's leave it there for now. I think definitely we need a take two of this conversation. There's so many issues to discuss and to dissect. Uh, Dr. Jesse Kabula, thank you so much as well for those important points that you brought forward here. Um, you've emphasized a lot on education, the public health sector, but also just the systems need to start working again for the people of the continent. Thank you very much to both of you and have a happy Africa Day further. In one word, <laughs> I can give you 30 seconds. <laughs> Just to say, I will not take long. I think what is Ray Dr. Komo has said, we expect South African Parliament to declare war on neoliberalism. Period. If they declare war on neoliberalist governance policies, we sort out the roads, we sort out public health, we sort out the gender pay gap, we will also end this problem of foreign aid. But what's kidding us is we are servicing a lot of foreign aid that came through the structural adjustment. So my key words are to say, Pan-African Parliament, we expect you to make sure that neoliberalism ends in this Thank you. Thank you so much. That's the voice of Dr. Jesse Kabula. She's the chair of the Women Caucus in the Malawi's Parliament. We're also joined by Ndade Isaac Khomu. He's a senior journalist here at Channel Africa. Thank you both very much. Okay, thank you. That's African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Thank you to the show's producers, our assignment and production editors, Anela Jambani. Thank you to Benjamin Mushadama, our producer. Thank you to our technical producer, Wiseman Mangale. Have yourself a fantastic Africa Day.